Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hi there, and welcome indeed to this episode of The Inner Life here on Wednesday, July 7th, Wednesday of the 14th week in Ordinary Time. This is our program about spiritual direction and always looking at a different aspect of our spiritual life, how we can apply that, how we can grow in that area. And today, as we begin the program, who is the person that you most look up to in your life? Maybe it's a teacher, someone who mentored you. Is it your mom or your dad, maybe a grandparent? Why do you look up to them? Did seeing how they lived their life, how they conducted themselves, did their example make you want to be just like them? Did you at different times maybe imitate different aspects of their behavior or their speech? They say that imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, but I've also encountered people who imitate someone to such a degree that it reaches the point of maybe being a little weird, a little creepy. And one instance of this was when I went to audition for a band. And I've mentioned several times here on The Inner Life that I play music. I grew up playing the piano. I've been in different choirs and vocal groups in the past. I went to college for music theory and composition. And I've picked up learning uh, different instruments along the way. And I've also played in a handful of different bands, some where we played original songs that we wrote, but also in other bands where it was just a cover band, played cover songs, songs to entertain everyone for people to just dance along with at festivals or weddings or bars or clubs, any of those kinds of things. And every band that I have played in, it has had the common theme of the lead guitar player having one or two guitarists that they absolutely love and that lead guitar player. If they warm up, they'll play one or two riffs by that favorite musician of theirs. In one band I was in, Steve, he loved to play things by Robert Plant. I'm not not Robert Plant, uh, um, uh, Jimmy Page from uh, (laughs) Led Zeppelin. Andrew, he was another one. And he liked Jimi Hendrix or George Harrison. He'd play some of those different riffs on his guitar. Todd was another one from another band, and he'd break out into different songs by Eddie Van Halen or by Alex Lifeson from the band Rush. And there was this one time that I auditioned for a band, and the lead guitar player loved Slash. That's the lead guitarist from the band Guns N' Roses. Now, when I auditioned for this band, and I don't even remember a name of anyone in the band, they had advertised that they were looking for a keyboard player. So we set up a time for me to come and play through a handful of songs with them, And when I end up auditioning for a band, I also consider them kind of auditioning with me as well. After all, you want to you want to play people uh, play music with people who are at a similar skill level. Then there's also the question of personalities. You know, everyone needs to get along and you don't want a bunch of drama or a bunch of conflict there in the group that you're playing with because 
playing music should be fun, right? It should be enjoyable. So I had shown up at the appointed time here at the drummer's house. Their practice area was down in the basement of his house. And so everybody was arriving around the same time. And the last person to show up was the guitar player. And when he walked in, it was a little uncanny. Now, if you've ever seen a picture of Slash from Guns N' Roses, he has this very distinct look. He has this really long, curly hair that's thick. It hides part of his face. He wears these dark sunglasses. And he usually is sporting this big black top hat. Well, this guitar player... He had just walked into the basement, and as I looked at him, he has this long, dark, curly hair. Even his clothes, they looked like something that Slash would wear. The only thing he didn't have was that black top hat. But I'm guessing he probably had that at his house, wherever he lived. Well, so we started playing through a few songs, and this guitarist... He even lit a cigarette and let it hang loosely off of his bottom lip, just like Slash would do, you know, these old televised performances back in the late 80s and early 90s that I'd seen. And he had the same stance, you know, legs kind of spread apart, just like Slash. And so we played through a few songs, and when we took a break and we were just going around talking about our musical influences, we, you know, each person would share a little bit, different musicians, our backgrounds. And I finally looked at the guitar player, and he'd been pretty quiet up until this point. And I made some comment about, well, you, you must like Slash. And that was all it took. And then he's just off and running. He started going on and on about how incredible, how great of a guitar player Slash was. And I don't know how long he talked about it. It was a while. He went on for quite a while there. Now, we eventually started getting back to playing through a couple more songs. I ended up thanking them. I excused myself, left, and I did not join that band. Uh, I kind of found it awkward to play with a Slash lookalike just in a basement, and I didn't really want to play in public with a Slash lookalike. So they were all all really nice guys. Nothing against them. It just wasn't for me. But that guitar player, his imitation of Slash, in a way... That's kind of what each of us are called to do as followers, as disciples of Jesus. And I don't mean that we should all wear our hair long and grow beards and put on sandals. But if someone encountered you for the first time, just like when I very first met that guitar player and knew without him saying a word that he was a slash devotee, would somebody meeting you for the first time know that you are a disciple of Jesus? Would they be able to tell that Jesus has transformed you, has freed and cleansed you from your sin? I hope so. I hope they would be able to see that in you, and I hope they'd be able to see that in me. St. Paul, he ended up talking about imitating Christ, and in his letter to the Philippians, he talks about knowing Christ and following Christ to the point where he might, quote, share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that if possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. That's what St. Paul says. Are you that kind of disciple, where you want to imitate Jesus to the point of sharing his sufferings? Well, today, we want to talk about discipleship, being that devoted, sold-out follower of Jesus, and our spiritual director today helping us look at this topic of discipleship is Father Matthew Witter. He's a priest in the Archdiocese of Milwaukee. He's the parochial vicar at St. John Newman, St. William's, St. Joseph's, and St. Mary's parishes in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Father Matthew, welcome back to the program. Are you a, a big Guns N' Roses fan? I, I'm not. I've, I've heard <laughs> of the Guns N' Roses, but uh, I, I might be a little bit too young for them. That's, a, <laughs> that's all right. Definitely, definitely very well-known band, and 
and the image that uh, that you gave of uh, that slash devotee, I mean, that that points a great a great image. Yeah, it, it was. It was just. It was one of those where you, you tried not to do a double take at first, but I'm sure I did. And but he was kind of in his cool slash like aura and attitude that I don't think he either cared or paid any attention to if I did a, a double take there. You know, if, if you're willing to go and work in your day job looking like that, you probably don't really care. But that kind of brings up, again, you know, we should have that same sort of attitude that we are followers of Christ and that people recognize that, like I said, Father. So to start off, you know, I, I've mentioned that as part of being a disciple, but how would you define discipleship, specifically Christian discipleship? What are the different aspects that we might consider as we begin this conversation? So a disciple is, is a student of our Lord, is a, is a student of the Master, of, of the Messiah, of our Lord, who seeks to, to follow him. And so there's there's different elements of discipleship, whether it's study, whether it's our prayer life, the sacramental life. Um, but then there's the following and, and the evangelization and, and the reaching out and, and the spreading of the faith. So it's a, you know, being a student of our Lord, but it's, uh, discipleship just isn't about knowing a lot of things about the Lord. Sometimes you can get trapped that you know, we can know about the Lord, we can know the Scriptures, but we're not actually following the Lord. And so that's, that's the next part of it, uh, to know the Lord, you know, to know the Lord as, as uh, you know, to sit at the Master's feet, but then to, to have kind of the legs in a way to, to put that to put that into practice in, in, in evangelization and reaching out. Well, and I suppose there you can look at, you know, uh, even with Judas, he was somebody who obviously knew Christ, knew him yep. very well, you know, sat in the place yep. of honor there at the, the Last Supper. And so that knowing along with following, those are two very important key points that you're talking about there. It's not just enough to know Christ. And that's something that I always remember hearing uh, those famous words from St. John Paul II, that he said, it's not enough to know Christ, you must introduce him to others. Yeah, that's, that's a, a piercing way of, of putting it, because sometimes we can, we can get trapped in that, that sense of we know, you know the Catholic trivia, perhaps, or biblical trivia, but then it's that, that sense of are we, are, we, are we living it? Now, we can't, it's hard to love that which you don't know, that who, whom you don't know. So we need, to, we need to know. I'm not saying that's not important. It's hard to, to love that which you don't know. But then, yep, exactly, that sense of uh, that, it, that, that love bubbles over, that it can be seen in the same way that you saw that, uh, that member of them, you knew exactly who he was, you know, who we modeled life after. It should be the sense that, that, that rushes forth from us and people can see, like, what do they have? Or what, what, you know, how have they come to encounter Christ? And, how can I share that? Well, and today, the Gospel reading at Mass, if somebody has already been to Mass this morning, or maybe they'll be going a little later today, we actually hear in the Gospel reading where Jesus originally calls the Twelve Disciples, and this is in uh, St. Matthew's Gospel. And the last, the last sentence in that reading has Jesus telling his disciples, as you go, make this proclamation, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And in that same gospel, Jesus, when he talks again at the end of Matthew's gospel, talking to the same disciples minus Judas, who isn't there with them, he ends up telling them something fairly similar, go out and make disciples of all nations. 
not just that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, but now go make disciples. Let them be like you are. Let them follow me just like you're following me. So being ready and looking for an opportunity to share about our faith, this also seems to be a key element of our faith. You know, I I just mentioned John Paul II. It's not enough to know Christ. You must introduce him to others. Jesus tells his disciples to go out and tell others about him. Uh, You know, evangelical Christians, they've emphasized this a lot in their teaching, in the way that they live out their faith. Jehovah's Witnesses, they're another one that you can look at and say, well, they're, you know, it's it's very well known that they'll go door to door, knocking on doors, trying to engage people in conversation about what they believe. How do you think the average Catholic layperson should look for opportunities to tell others about Jesus, to introduce others to Jesus? Um, you know, it's, I, I don't know if I've ever seen anyone going door to door trying to evangelize the way that you might see Jehovah's Witnesses uh, do, you know, not, not, not in the Catholic Church yeah. necessarily, but, yeah. but I think of the work that somebody like Mother Teresa might do. You know, helping to just meet the needs of those around, and at that point when their needs are met, then there's the opportunity to maybe engage in a conversation of the faith, and here's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yep, yep, and and, and the story with Jehovah's Witnesses, I know my family, when we we noticed if uh, my grandpa lived uh, just next to us, if we saw the Jehovah's Witnesses by him, my mom would tell us, hide, you know, (laughs) hide, you know, because... It's it's not the way people necessarily want to be encountered, you know. As well, there's a time and a place, but it's not necessarily the people want to want to be encountered. When we when we think about our daily waves of being disciples and and then and then reaching out and going and making disciples, is that it's it, it starts with relationships. It starts with with relationships. And as you began the show talking about different different mentors and people that have you know people that we've looked up to into different ways. You know, outside of a relationship, it's really hard to make disciples. Disciples are made in the context of a relationship, and so relationship is is so important. The next thing is is you know through our baptism and through our confirmation, each of us have you know particular charisms, gifts of the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit has given us in order to make disciples. And p- different people have different different charisms. Some people that their charism is is, in, is intentional prayer and, and, and prayer ministry. Others, it's it's the, the gift of music. Others, it's it's craftsmanship and administration and works of wisdom. But these are all different different charisms that you know. If someone who you know has the, the you know you you've got the gift of, of music, but if someone who doesn't have the gift of music tries to share the gospel with music, it's not going to be good. You know, it, it's it's we've all been given that that apostolic being sent mission. But all of us, you know, have different charisms that that share the gospel in different ways, and so those those would be the two things in the sense of how do we go about sharing them? Going door to door, and probably not the best bet. It's about relationship, but then it's being being very attentive to you know what are the gifts of the Holy Spirit that are within me that where, where the Holy Spirit and and God's love manifests itself the most. Right. Yeah, and, and that's that's such a good point, Father. You know, it's so easy to look at somebody else and say, oh. Yep. They seem to be making such a great impact on sharing the faith or being yep. a witness for Christ. And that might appeal to us, but that might not be where God has gifted us. And so we need to be just very honest with ourselves, I think, Father, in the way that, you know, examining and saying, well, if that's not my strength, 
where are my strengths or where are my talents, where are my gifts that I can go ahead and use those for the glory of God. And that's also, I think, really important there, too, for the glory of God, not for my own glory, not for my own satisfaction. And that's something that can be kind of a difficulty there, where it's, you know, yeah, I want to do that, but I want to do things the way I want to do them, because this this looks exciting, or it looks it looks yep. more fun, or I think I would really enjoy that. Well, um, you know, being a disciple of Christ, while Christ, of course, wants us to be happy, it doesn't mean that uh, you know, the thing that kind of seems maybe glamorous to us or enticing to us is the way that God wants us to be his follower, wants us to share about the good news, the gospel message. That's exactly it. It's it's, it's unique to each of us. And I think nowadays we, we often look to the people that are kind of like the teachers, per se, you know, the person that's got a microphone, you know, that, that's teaching us. That's the, you know, the, the best way to share the gospel. And, and there are people that have that, that, that gift of teaching with, you know, media and, you know, like we're on the radio right now and podcasts, and, and that's, a, that's a great gifting within, within the church. But that's not the gifting of everyone. And I think of those, you know, the charisms of, you know, works of service and, and acts of mercy, those who are, uh, you mentioned Mother Teresa, you know, down in the trenches caring for the sick. You know, that's that's a powerful, powerful witness to, to, to the gospel. And I think that's the, that's the, the, the important thing. We think of, you know, the, the sower and the seed that, that our Lord you know, sows out the seeds. The Lord is just generous in planting seeds everywhere. And, 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 and what that seed and what the plant looks right us to it, to St. Teresa's example, it's we're all kind of different flowers in, in, in the Lord's garden. Uh, each treasured and each with a particular purpose and mission. Our spiritual director today is Father Matthew Witter, a priest in the Archdiocese of Milwaukee, and we're talking about being disciples of Jesus, that concept of discipleship. How do you imitate, how do you follow Christ in your life? How can others see that you are a disciple of Jesus, maybe even in those small things that you might do, not just the large things, the big things? How do you follow Christ and his teachings so that others can see that in your actions. Kind of like St. Francis of Assisi is attributed with that, that saying, uh, share the gospel always and when necessary, then use words. Can people see that in your life? We'd love to hear how you live out the discipleship uh, following Christ. 888-914-9149 is our studio line. 888-914-9149. And our email address is innerlife at relevantradio.com. More on discipleship in just a moment here on The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life spiritual directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to The Inner Life. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, along with our spiritual director, Father Matthew Witter, a priest in the Archdiocese of Milwaukee. And today, talking about discipleship, being that disciple, that follower of Jesus 
And of course, that's something every one of us, by virtue of being baptized, if you are a Christian, if you're a Catholic, well, you're supposed to be a disciple of Jesus. Are you? Are you living out that discipleship? Well, uh, that's what we're talking about today. Maybe you have a question about discipleship, and that's why our spiritual director is here to offer a little bit of help and assistance on your spiritual journey. How do you imitate and follow Christ in your life? How are you that disciple of Jesus? How do others see that in your life? How, how, how have you made that evident to others in your actions, not just your words, but in the things that you do, your behaviors, your attitude? Our studio line, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And Father Matthew, right before the break, we were talking about uh, Jesus sending out his disciples there, um, the, the gospel reading that we have at Mass today. The other thing that really struck me was... Jesus personally called his original disciples to himself. And if we've grown up in the faith, if our parents baptized us, if we grew up as young children, received our first sacraments, you know, communion, confession, is there still that personal call from Jesus for each of us? Or is that call implicit in our family, our parents passing on the faith to us? And maybe it's not an either or, maybe this is a both and. It, it it goes both ways. It goes both ways, and and like you mentioned that the call of the apostles, it's it's a personal call where Jesus named them and he called them. And there's something to be said about that 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 call of discipleship. It's in the same way. It's it's both communal in that it's it's passed down, but then each call has has a personal nature to it as well. And that's part of unfolding that and, and hearing how God speaks our speaks our name and how Jesus calls our name and how you know Jesus calls us. Each, you know, as disciples, but then he calls each of us in in different ways. He calls each of us in different ways, and that's that's part of the adventure of of being a disciple. Is is you know how does Christ calling and authority over my life? How does that how does that unfold? And so there's a there's some excitement in that. There's there's an adventure in the in the call of discipleship because each of our our paths as Christians are joined in Christ. He is our model. He's the one that we're we're seeking to imitate and follow. How that looks. There's many similar similarities, but then many differences as, as well. Now, you being a priest, if you don't mind me asking personally, I mean, you received a call for your vocation. How did you experience that in your own life, that call you know, to be that follower, that disciple, and specifically a priest uh, for Christ? Yeah, you know, the first calling was as a disciple, I, I would say, and like that first was passed down to me through my parents and, and grandparents, but a specific moment that I that I remember was being in sixth grade at the, the Catholic school that I went to first the sixth grade, and and there was a video about Harvey of Fatima, and it was it was kind of in a, in a music class. So it was supposed to be a music class, but the, the music teacher must have been gone because I watched this video on Our Lady of Fatima, and it like opened my eyes. It was it was kind of this life changing uh, video because it, it opened my eyes to the reality of just the realness of God and the closeness of God and the, the, the necessity to pray for conversions and, you know, the role of our dear blessed mother Mary. And as I was a sixth grader when I watched it, I said, whoa, I've got to, I've got to start praying more. I've got to kind of get with the program here because I'm, I'm behind. And so that was my first, you know, that was my kind of first where I can really recall, a, you know, kind of an intentional choice to follow Christ. And then shortly after that, as I, as I prayed more, then I, after that, I could call, I could hear the calling for for priesthood come into my heart, and then I ignored it. I ignored it uh, through uh, it was always there, but ignored it through high school and and into college. It bubbled up, and I'd 
push it back down. But it was then in between my junior and senior year of college where the Lord asked me once again to consider priesthood, and, and I said, okay, Lord, I won't. I'm paraphrasing what I said, but you know, I, I, I'll, I'll look into it, is basically what I said. I'll, I'll look into it, and if they say no, that's fine. Uh, you know, so it's, it was unique, because it's that, that call as a disciple that, and that, that lasts and renews itself throughout our life, but then the specific call to priesthood. And, and priesthood is, is unique, because sometimes with priesthood, there is a specific call, because sometimes people will think about priesthood or religious life and say, you know, I want to help others, which is wonderful, but you can do many other things and help people <laughs> than, than just be a priest. You know, that, that's, there's usually more of a particular call to, to serve, especially within the liturgical life of the church, within the sacraments and, and a life of prayer and a life of service to God's people. But there's, there's a, you know, a call within the call towards priesthood, to religious life, and, and to marriage as well. There's a, that call to discipleship and then that, the particular vocation which is the lens of which our our call to discipleship is lived. So if each of us is going to receive that personal call from Christ in whatever state in life we might be in, that we are to be his disciples, but if we're at a point maybe early in our adult life, and kind of like you, you know, we're, we're just kind of beginning, taking those first steps into adulthood— as you as you talked about there, you know, in your college years, if I'm not sure what that call is, you you said, you know, you knew that was there for you. But if I'm not sure where God is kind of calling me and leading me, whether it is a question of vocation or just a question of, you know, where are my gifts, my strengths, my talents, and how would God want me to use those for building up the kingdom? Are there any pieces of advice you might offer to somebody who's saying, I, I'm just not sure yet? I think the, the first thing is, 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 this might sound too generic, but it's, it's the foundation. Stay close to Christ. You know, get connected to your, your parish community. Be in daily prayer, in the sacraments studying the faith, that, that's so important. That's so important because sometimes in our young adult years, when we make some of the biggest decisions of our lives, many times it can happen that those are the, the years of our life where we've, we've, whether intentionally or unintentionally, pulled away from Christ. So number one, stay close to Christ. I know there's all kinds of temptations, but stay close to Christ because those are the years many times we, we make decisions that, uh, that kind of set the course of our life or at least get it started Sometimes we do them, whether it's intentionally we turn away from Christ or unintentionally we just get swept away. So stay close to Christ. Stay close to Christ. Uh, because it's hard to, it's hard enough in this world to think clearly, but especially when we, we move ourselves from Christ, all the more difficult. So just to give that encouragement, stay close to Christ, stay close to Christ. But the next thing is is, is to, to, to ask the Lord, part of especially for young adults, praying about your vocation. You know, if, if someone doesn't know their vocation, Lord, you know, show me my vocation. Let me know, you know, how you're calling me to live out my, my life as a disciple. And, you know, if someone's like, well, I feel like I'm called to marriage, marriage the next thing is to pray for your future spouse, you know, to, to make that part of your daily prayer. Lord, help me to meet my, my future spouse. Help me to know them and to pray for their holiness um, because they're out in the world somewhere, you know. So to make that part of a prayer, if, you, if it's called to the religious life, Lord, bless the religious life. Bless the community that I'm called to be part of. Bless the diocese I'm called to be part of. Help me to know. And so that would be the next, the, the next step is to make that part of uh, the daily prayer. And then for that, that sense of just discerning charisms or just gifts of the Holy Spirit within ourselves, 
one of the best ways within that is to really pay attention in our lives when people say, boy, when you did this or said that or were were in this place, that was exactly what I needed. Like, how did you do that? Or, Or, boy, how did you know exactly what I needed to hear? Or how did you know that I needed help with that? And we might think in those moments, like, well, I'm just doing what I do. <laughs> but whenever we hear someone say something like, Boy, how did you know, or uh, kind of, that's usually the work of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and those are usually areas of our life where we have kind of a particular uh, anointing within those elements of our life. You know, as you talk about remaining close to Jesus, and earlier on you talked about knowing Christ, you know, we, we have to know him if we're going to follow him, if we're going to be his disciples. Um, What's the best way that you think there is to get to know Christ? Is it primarily through reading the Bible, reading about his life, reading the words he spoke, and reading some of the teachings that were passed on then to the apostles who wrote most of the, the letters that are there in the New Testament? Is it the daily encounter that we can have at Mass, receiving Christ's body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. Um, I mean, not that either of those are exclusive to each other. Again, it can be another both-and kind of thing here. But is there anything that you might recommend aside from maybe those two things of how we get to know Christ? And Josh, you're right on. It's it's not an either-or. It's, it's just like you said, it's kind of it's a both-and. So there's that element of, for me— you know, personally, a, a big conversion in my life happened as I started to to get into God's Word more. That was when I kind of referenced a little bit in in college, getting into God's Word. So the Scripture is is huge. Scripture and study is that's a big part of it. The the sacramental life that you're alluding to, uh, Mass, confession, huge, and then and that sense of daily prayer. We need we need all of those things and. Uh, if we have one and not the other, we're, we're kind of limping. We're limping, you know. So we need we need all of those those things. So you know, to get into the Bible, daily prayer, connected within um, into the sacramental life of the church. So that element. But but the other thing is, we also, you know, as human beings, we also need that sense of community. Where going back to the beginning of the show, we need a model. We need someone who's going to disciple us. We talk sometimes about that in our faith of, you know, who, who are you discipling right now? Who are you helping lead to Christ? And, and who has, has discipled, discipled you? And so to, to be in, in, uh, in communion with someone, whether it's a, you know, a good friend, whether it's a spouse, someone who, who holds kind of you accountable and can also lead on that path of discipleship is, is, is so critical, because without that, we can, we can lose focus at times. Yeah, also on the aspect of getting to know Christ, knowing Jesus better. Um, I I mentioned at the beginning of the program where St. Paul writes in his letter to the Philippians, and this is in the third chapter of that book in the New Testament, he talks about wanting to know Christ, uh, to know him and the power of his resurrection, and I'm reading here, and the sharing of his sufferings by being conformed to his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead— Knowing Christ, sharing in his sufferings, you know, a lot of times we'll talk about redemptive suffering, you know, offer it up. Is that suffering, is that, as St. Paul talks about, knowing and sharing in Christ's suffering, is that going to always be a part of discipleship? Maybe not constant suffering, but there will be definitely suffering involved in being that disciple of Jesus? There's, 
there's no way around it. There's no way around it. That can give us a sense of, of fear at times, but to share, you know, we're not greater than the master. And, and you know, recently I was with someone dealing with a very difficult stage of cancer, and he uh, said something that just pierced right into my heart. His two children were there, and, and younger children, and mentioned how you know, he said there's his kids, and in the context of prayer, he said there's no greater intimacy than sharing and suffering, and I'm sharing in Christ's suffering in this. He went on to say, he said, you know, I, I prayed you know, a couple years ago that if any cancer, any disease would come through my family, it would come through me and protect my wife and kids. And I, you know, as he's praying this and sharing this, it's just, wow, that sense of, of sharing in Christ's suffering and, and to learn the intimacy of, of closeness to the Lord and suffering is, is, a, is a very, very deep, deep spiritual level that can only, under, can only be understood when it's being lived. Our spiritual director today, Father Matthew Witter, a priest in the Archdiocese of Milwaukee, we're talking about being disciples of Jesus, discipleship. How do you live that out in your life? How do you imitate and follow Christ in your life? How have you gotten to know Christ better so that you can be that follower, that witness uh, to, to Christ, to Jesus, to the Church? How can others see that you are a disciple of Christ? Our studio line, 888 Our email address, innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. More after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life spiritual directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Back to the inner life. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, along with our spiritual director, Father Matthew Witter, and today we're talking about discipleship. How are you that disciple, that follower of Jesus? How do other people see that in your life? Is that something that somebody would recognize in you if they just met you on the street? I hope so. I hope they wouldn't me as well. Uh, I think with Father Matthew, uh, as long as he's wearing his clerics, it'd be pretty hard to not recognize that he's a follower of Christ. Uh, but how how are you being that disciple, that follower of Christ, and sharing that relationship that you have with Christ with others? Our studio line, 888-914-9149, And uh, Father Matthew, just like I was saying, you know, if you're wearing your collar out in public, anybody's going to see that you are a Catholic priest. Um, I mean, they might, you know, confuse and say, oh, are you Episcopalian? Or, you know, there, there might be a couple of different options there. But for the most part, I think most people would go and say Catholic priest. But that also is something where uh, even having a uh, medal, you know, of a saint that you wear around yep. your neck, you know, your patron saint, or maybe wearing a brown scapular, or having some sign that you wear on your body, on your person, that by itself can be an open invitation that that can open that doorway for a conversation with somebody when they say, "Oh, what's that?" or "What does that mean?" Yeah, 
that's a great insight. It's it's sometimes in terms of evangelization and sharing the faith, we need a we need a conversation starter. And sometimes uh, I know people have shared with me, you know, experiences of being in the hospital and you know before surgery, and the nurse comes in and they can see a, a cross or and it and it's it it, it kind of gives the sense of comfort and and, and opens uh, opens the door for a conversation and and so just those those subtle you know conversation starters that can be used to to start a conversation can be can be so helpful exactly exactly before the break we were talking a little about uh suffering and that's something that we're all going to deal with one of the other things that Christ talks about he says you cannot be my disciple in one of the gospels in other in another gospel he says if you want to be my disciple. But he puts it in both, if you want to, or you cannot be my disciple, unless you take up your cross. And in one of the Gospels, and I forget which one, I know it's in either Matthew, Mark, or Luke, it might be Luke, where he says, unless you take up your cross daily. And that cross, that symbol of suffering, of death, death to self, um, that also is an aspect that, uh, you know, even though we might not deal with outright suffering, we have to be willing to take on that suffering, to take on that cross daily to follow Christ. Yeah, and it can even connect into the, the second reading from this the previous Sunday at Mass. St. Saint, Saint Paul asking, you know, begging the Lord three times that this, oh, this right. thorn might be removed. You know, and what does God say? My, my grace is sufficient for power is made perfect in weakness. And, and so sometimes we have those thorns, whatever it might be, that that suffering, whatever it might be, and and that that very thorn, is the area that where it becomes the, the source of our strength because that's the place where when we're weak, Christ you know fills us up. So often we we seek to to kind of medicate or gloss over our own weaknesses, hide it would be the better way of saying hide our, our weaknesses and our shortcomings. And within those thorns, within those crosses, it's it's an area of our life, whether it's seen publicly or if it's just known by ourselves, where we recognize our own humanity and our own frailty, our own vulnerability. And within that, within recognizing that, there's usually an opportunity to surrender where God can be God, where God can be God. As we're talking about getting to know Christ, following him, you know, that, that there's more than just that knowledge. There is the knowledge and the following. Getting to know someone, having that encounter, that relationship— and you mentioned during our last segment that there's nothing more intimate, typically, than to be able to share suffering. So if we're sharing the suffering of Christ, if we're entering into his passion, we're getting to know him, having that relationship, it also means that you have regular communication. And in the case of our faith, one of the things that we've talked about kind of you know, back and forth, it's, it's entered our conversation here, but specifically what we call prayer. It's a dialogue, and I, I mean dialogue. Prayer shouldn't be just a one-way monologue where we do all the talking or all the asking. And we need to be able to listen to what Christ is saying to us as well. Can you talk about how we can listen to God, ways that he might speak to us, and that how we can prepare ourselves to be receptive for when God encounter, or when we encounter God speaking to us? That's great way of phrasing it, how, how we can be re- receptive to the Lord. And, and I think one of the, the first things is many times, sometimes, I guess, when we go into prayer, we can come into prayer with our own agenda, the sense of I'm going to pray for these things, I'm going to pray this devotion, I'm going to pray that scripture, whatever it might be, which is, which is great. But then at times, 
we should we should we should always begin first and foremost by saying in this time of prayer, Lord, you know what what are you going to do for me, or where where are you going to lead me within this within this time of prayer? And I think that's the that's the adventure of prayer is when a, when a time of prayer starts. To, 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 the adventure is, Lord, where where are you going to lead me? Who are the people that you're going to place you know before me in this time to to pray for? What are the elements of your life that are going to kind of just jump out and be kind of bolded and and you know how are you going to speak to my heart? But but prayer first and foremost is is the work of God within ourselves, and so to let the Spirit within us uh, pray is is so important. Sometimes we can we can get trapped in. I've got my particular agenda for prayer, but but to recognize first and foremost that prayer is the, is the work of the Holy Spirit within us, and it's it's we're we're closest in in communion to our Lord in those those intimate moments of prayer, and so so learning to pray. Is is truly the the lifeblood of of who we are, and and sometimes it's it's kind of like um, it's kind of <laughs> there's different levels of prayer. Sometimes there's the surface level of things, you know, where they can get cut off. Like we might say, I, I feel tired today. I feel wide awake. I feel great. I feel bad. I feel upset. I feel sad. All those things are, you know, it's kind of on the surface level. But in prayer, it's it's kind of going deep deep into our hearts. The Holy Spirit that that through baptism dwells within ourselves and so it's it's a it's a quieting and sometimes in prayer for myself personally if I enter into you know there's simple prayers that we pray throughout the day and then there's moments of more intentional prayer I usually find it at least takes you know five minutes for me to kind of get to that place um, where the Holy Spirit dwells rather than just where my mind is is bouncing around for oh, yeah. whatever reason. I, I so, can be the biggest distraction yeah I can be the biggest distraction yeah. for myself father <laughs> yeah my mind yep. just yeah yep. wandering on all the things I need to do or you know oh uh, that's right I had that thing that I was going yep. to yeah uh, I, you also talk about learning to pray. How do we learn to pray? You know, my the prayer that I will I will bet everything on, that I will bet everything on, and, and there are so many different beautiful types of prayer. Sure. That's the beautiful thing about our Catholic faith, and there's it's it's there's so many different elements of prayer, but the rosary is such a, a powerhouse of prayer. The rosary is such a powerhouse of prayer because it it does teach us how to pray. You know, when, when the disciples ask our Lord, teach us how to pray. You know, the Lord shared the Our Father, which is the, the kind of the hinge point of, of the rosary. But the rosary is beautiful because it both gives us words of Scripture and then also gives us that, that repetitive nature that allows us to delve deeper into the different mysteries, into, into the mysteries that we're also praying on. And the rosary, I, I feel like to someone who is, is new to prayer, it's also good because it sometimes what happens when we pray is when I mean, you mentioned it before. I shouldn't say sometimes; all the time it happens. We get distracted, <laughs> right. um, just like we do in anything, um, in anything that we're doing. That's why I think there's so many scrolling, you know, scrolling and clicking online. We, our, our attention span is so short. One of the beautiful things about a rosary, whether we pray a decade of the rosary, we pray the whole rosary. The beautiful thing is there's there's always a, a hail mary around the corner that that challenges us, even if we've uh, lost track or got distracted. Hey, there's another one around the corner. Where otherwise, sometimes we just say, "Well, I'm done. I'm distracted. I give up." You know, the rosary has even a beautiful psychological thing where it gives us another opportunity to uh, to restart again. Yeah. Oh, I've I've had that happen many times. You know, I'm down to the last two hail marys of a decade, and all of a sudden, I have to say, "Oh, I got so sidetracked by this other thought. Let me." 
get back on track here and refocus on that mystery that I'm praying through. So, Father, we've got Jim who's listening today in Minnesota. Hi, Jim. You're on The Inner Life here with Father Matthew Witter. Yes. Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead, Jim. You're on the air. Yep. Okay. I have a friend that uh, I've known for 11 years. He was a mechanic. He came to my town. He was in the Navy for 19 years, and, you know, he swears up and down like a true sailor and this and that. And, well, about three, four years ago, he got type 1 diabetes, and his feet started to get bad, and he went for a treatment and uh, at this chiropractor, and he got gangrene, okay? So they cut part of his foot off. Then he put a new knee in. And then he had a sciatic nerve operation, and it's been one thing after another. And when he had gangrene, they gave him this, actually had crossbones on the poison, little by little to try to bring it down so it was manageable. So uh, last, uh, when was it, last year in December, I, or no, was it this February? Wait, anyway, I got the priest over and give him the last rite because he just looked absolutely terrible. Well. He got a lot better, and then the other day, Saturday, he fell off the porch and broke his femur about two inches below his hip bone, so he was in the hospital, and I went in, and I gave him the Divine Mercy picture and my rosary, so you know what? He got a lot better. He come home yesterday after only three days, and he started talking about the kids, you know, I, I have to do something here, give him a choice of some kind of religion, because said, I haven't been to church in you know, 49 years. So he's coming around. I think that divine mercy picture really helped him out a lot because we got, I've got that from the, um, I got that from the apparition place by uh, um, Green Bay this summer. Oh, champion. Yeah. Our lady of good health. Wonderful place. Wonderful place. That's, that's a great, Jim, it's a great story of evangelization because it's, that's the simple way of doing it is, you know, passing on the divine mercy and, and you know, just some some materials like that and, and guiding him. And ultimately, he's got to decide. But you're 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 bridging the gap. You're starting the, the conversation, and and you can see and and he's experienced it twice now. You know, God has God has healed him, and, and God, you know, what God helps heal. It's now you've got to make a choice, as as you're talking about. Like, okay, I've got to do something. I've got to. How can I get my kids into into the faith, Jim? So that's that's a great. Yeah, thanks so much for calling in and sharing that story of of how you uh, are that witness for Christ and and just sharing His love, His mercy. Um, you know, especially that message of divine mercy, which our world so much needs to hear, uh, Father. You know, that that's another thing. We talked about, you know, you wearing your, your collar, somebody else maybe wearing a medal or, um, you know, some other sign of our faith. But having an extra rosary or having a prayer card, something that is, uh, you know, non-confrontational in that regard. Uh, I've known several people who where, you know, you might just ask somebody, you might be at a restaurant, oh, you know, how are things going? You might ask the the server. And if they say, oh, you know, actually, it's been a pretty rough day. Just being able to say, you know what, here, I'm going to give you this prayer card and, and I'll, I'll pray for you. And just even having that little encounter right there where you're able to share that 
um, it, it can make a difference in somebody's life and might be that seed that's planted that allows them to take that first step towards whether they're away from the church, maybe coming back, or if they've just never really had a faith to begin with. It opens that door where they might say, well, I want to learn more. That person seemed nice. <laughs> what do they have that, that, that I don't have? Always be, be ready to share the faith. That's a great practical, practical advice to have an extra rosary, a prayer card, a medal that can be passed on in those, in those different situations. And it's, it's a seed. It's a seed that's, that's planted, and, and that's what our Lord does. He's always, always sowing seeds. And, and those are great, just great practical ways of just opening doors and, and being ready to, to share the faith if, if the Lord would, would present the opportunity. Right. Well, and as Jim has been kind of that example for his friend that, hey, you know, there's something more that is out there, and there's an opportunity for you to come back to the faith. Uh, in your own life, Father, who has been a, a model of discipleship for you that you've looked at that's helped you on your journey? Well, there's—I'm blessed. There's, as a priest, I see so many people living out their call to discipleship in—, in uh, in heroic ways, in, in simple, simple heroic ways, and so I'm, I'm, I've been blessed to see that. I, I always like to go back to my, my grandma and grandpa Breunig, uh, now both deceased, but two incredible witnesses, uh, farmers who were incredibly devoted to Christ, incredibly devoted to the Saint Vincent the Paul Society, which which serves the poor, and, and seeing them live their faith in a very simple, straightforward, dedicated way. Um, that, that always lives on in, in, in my heart. For yourself, does someone that come to mind for you? You know, um, I, I think there would be a few different people that would come to mind. Um, one of them was my sponsor, who, you know, uh, when I came into the church as an adult, just kind of seeing the way he conducted himself and the way that he helped me uh, just be able to see that, um, you know, he's, he's a father, I think, of... of seven children, eight children. I, I forget right off the top of my I feel horrible that I don't remember that right now. But, um, you know, just seeing the way that they lived out their faith, especially in a big family, it really made a big difference. But I, I really also like the fact that you said with your grandparents, it was just a simple living out of their faith. It wasn't that they had to try and make it complex. They didn't have to try and make it something difficult. I love that it was just a simple, I'm, I'm just going to do the things that I know are right, and I'm going to try and yep. love and serve Jesus in my day-in and day-out life. Well, Father Matthew, we are down to about our last 30 seconds here of the program. As we do conclude today, could I ask you to offer all of our listeners a final priestly blessing here this hour? Sure, you bet. So, Father, we thank you for the, the gift of the inner life. We thank you for the gift of the, the community. And that follows. We ask that you pour out the fullness of your blessing over each of us, Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father Matthew, thank you so much for being on The Inner Life today, being our spiritual director. Of course, if you're listening and you missed any of the program, you can always go back and listen to the podcast at RelevantRadio.com. I want to encourage you to stay with us tomorrow at this same time. We're going to be talking with Father Sam Martin, and we're going to be talking about the last things, the four last things. Do you know what those are? Well, we'll tell you what they are uh, tomorrow on the program. Of course, Mass is coming up next here on The Inner Life. Big thank you to Nick Sentovich and Jim Shaper for their help in producing today's program. And of course, want to encourage you, just like Father Matthew said, 
If you don't pray the rosary every day, you should start. It'll help change your life. Like Father Matthew said, he'll bet everything on that prayer. Pray the rosary. Have a blessed day.